0: our last, uh, this is our last installment in the practice of presence series. Uh, And like we've been talking about all morning, we're talking about celebration today. And the series has been, oh, hey, Ben. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll talk after. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk to me now. Yeah. Where was I? Yeah, after, after, um, or throughout this series, so we started in the beginning of the summer and we've been going through this whole series. We started out with with hearing the voice of God, and what does that mean as we, as we read the scriptures? We've talked about prayer. We've talked about serving. We've talked about sharing your faith. We've talked about uh, solitude and silence. We've talked about Sabbath, uh, all these spiritual disciplines. And, and, you know, as I mentioned them, you guys are probably like, oh, I, I, I kind of resonate with those more than I do those. Uh, uh, those are easier for me than, than these are easier for me, and these may be a little more difficult. And today we're talking about celebration, and I feel like celebration is one of the most difficult things for us as followers of Jesus to do as a spiritual discipline. And, and I mean, if you just think about, uh, just think about your life in general, how, how many times do you celebrate? I mean, sometimes we celebrate birthdays, sometimes we celebrate Christmas, sometimes you know, there's certain things that we celebrate, but just think about the small things. Like, how many, how many times do you take time to just celebrate the small instances of God's goodness in your life? Like, that you just woke up this morning, right? I don't, I don't know what your week was like. I don't know how tired you are. Some of you guys, I can see how tired you are. You're about to fall asleep right now. Uh, <laughs> no, Shane's back. You know, he's, he's good. He's good. Uh, he's, uh, but, uh, I, but just that you're breathing this morning, like, that's an instance to celebrate and praise the Lord like just that just that you are walking this morning just that you uh, that your family is together here this morning just that like the person sitting next to you is here like those are instances to celebrate and we bypass those all the time in our lives and what takes over our circumstances what takes over are our uh, like just just think about um, I, I, I deal with this a lot with, um, with couples that we do premarital counseling with. Miss and I do premarital counseling with couples, and, and we go through, that, through, through things with them, and they're all planning for this wedding day, and it's supposed to be this, this great thing of celebration. Ryan and Camille, you guys are going to get married in, what, like a week? Um, and I'm not talking about them, okay? I'm just, they're getting married in a week, but... but uh, uh, they they go through all this planning all this prep for one day that's supposed to be this joyous celebration but all it brings you is stress <laughs> right like all it brings you is and 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 you get so caught up in the stress of it that you don't see the beauty and the joy and the grandeur that is awaiting you right this not just that one day but your entire marriage that lays before you you know like those of you who 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 have kids like having kids is stressful right Amen. Like you guys, kids, it's a lot of work. Uh, you know, we have some new parents in here. Like, it's just, it's just a lot of work. But you need to see the the points of joy throughout the day, so that you know it's going to be worth it, right? Like, you're building into these kids. Uh, school right now. Right? A lot of you guys are in school, and I don't know how to make that celebratory. So let's skip, let's skip over school. <laughs> uh, no, but school, like, you're looking towards that graduation, like, you're, you're saying, oh, I got to get through this program, and, like, there's joy and, and there's celebration that, that should be had in that as you're a follower of Jesus, but celebration is so difficult for us, and, and I think if, you are not a, if you're in here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're listening to this, you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, it's, I don't know if you can ever truly, genuinely celebrate because your celebration's always gonna be fleeting. It's gonna be ephemeral. It's not gonna be uh, eternal, it's not gonna be everlasting. It's just gonna be here today and gone tomorrow. It's only for you guys who are followers of Jesus that in Christ, because you're in the eternal one, that you can truly celebrate and have joy. So that means, for us as followers of Jesus and here this morning, that if you are a follower of Jesus and if your life is built on the rock that is Christ Jesus, you have all the reason to celebrate everything in your life. That's a huge statement. Everything. All right, we're going to get to that in this passage. Like That's, that's big. You're like, wait a second. I don't know if I want to celebrate everything. Because there's a lot of hardship. And I get it. Like Some of you guys are, have experienced trauma in your life. Some of you guys have experienced uh, illness. Some of you guys have, have just a bunch of stress and, and anxiety that... That uh, you don't, uh, you're you're not unable to handle, and there's there's just so much, and and so there's there's a lot of that, and you're like, how do I celebrate in that? Well, you're not celebrating your circumstance; you're celebrating your Savior. Right? Get your eyes off your circumstances and put them on your Savior. I missy pray that over us today, right? Like, let's let's uh, set our minds and our hearts on Christ Jesus, where He is seated at the right hand of the Father, which means His work is done. It's over. He's finished. It's completed. Right? It is done. Jesus says it on the cross, it is finished. He also says in Revelation, it's done. Oh man. Right? Like it's it's done. Like focus on on Jesus. That's our cause for celebration. And if you can do that in Christ, if you can focus on Jesus, your celebration won't be ephemeral. It'll be eternal. It won't be fleeting, it'll be forever. You will have everlasting celebration. You'll be able to have The lens of Christ to see all the good things in front of you. See, I I think a lot of our suffering comes from our lack of recognition of the good things that God's given us that are right in our hands, right in front of our face, because we want that out there. We're looking to that, and we don't see the goodness right in front of us. We don't see the step right in front of us of goodness that God has given us to step forward into his joy and his abundant life and his presence. So celebration as a spiritual discipline is, is kind of... Like, you see that, and you're like, ah, oh, well, why is it a spiritual discipline? Well, well two things. One, it's because it, it takes our, it, it takes the forming of our heart to celebrate. Like, we have to have our hearts formed, our thoughts have to be formed, like, reformed, right, to, in order to celebrate. It's a discipline, just like reading the scriptures, just like prayer, Right? We have to take time, intentional time, to, to focus on doing these things. And celebration is, is like that. Uh, and then, and then uh, uh, the other thing is that uh, in celebration, which leads to joy and is an outworking of joy, is central to all the spiritual disciplines. So if, you, if you're praying or if you're reading your Bible, if you're in community, if you're giving, if you're serving, if you're sharing your faith, and it's devoid of joy, that, that's just going to become a dull instrument that is not going to ignite passion. It's not going to draw you closer to the Father. It's just going to be on your to-do list and a task-based thing that you have to do. Oh, well, I have to pray. Oh, well, I have to do this because that's what, that's what Christians do, right? Right? but it should be fueled by joy. Joy and celebration surrounds every single spiritual discipline. So if you open this word and you're not joyous and you're not celebrating it, well, then it's just gonna be dull. If you're going to it because you just feel like you have to and there's no joy, I don't mean like you're happy all the time, okay? We're not talking about happiness here. We're talking about joy. Happiness is dependent on your circumstances. Joy is dependent on your savior, all right? So, So we're talking about joy that is a production of the spirit in your heart. So you're not going to go to the scriptures all happy and elated all the time, right? Sometimes you just need to go and, and hear God speak, right? Because you are just, you're just like down in the dumps. Um, but you can still do it with joy. And you can still celebrate God's goodness as, as you do that. Richard Foster says that uh, there's one thing in the spiritual life that leads to joy, and that is obedience. So at the same time that, that spiritual disciplines produce joy, uh, or sorry, at the same time that spiritual disciplines are surrounded by joy, they also produce joy. So as you're obedient in your spiritual disciplines, joy will be produced in your life. So if you're like, I don't, I don't experience that joy, I don't know what you're talking about, then do your spiritual disciplines. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. The joy is in the production of those because that's where the Spirit is gonna meet you, right? And if, if joy is the fruit of the Spirit, right, Lo- Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, and, and so forth, then we have to meet the Spirit where he's operating. And that's through the spiritual disciplines. It's a practice of presence, right? It's practicing being present with the Lord. So, we're gonna take time to celebrate this morning, and what I want us to do first, because this is our sixth year birthday, right? Yeah, big, big six. Uh, what I want us to do is, is celebrate that a little bit, generally, together, and then we'll kind of go from up here down to you personally and, and what that means for us. But let's celebrate together as, as, as a church, and we have, we have a little video that just shows you, like, a timeline of, of things. So, yeah, let's, let's play that up. That's just a brief, like, snippet of our... Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's really exciting, and you guys are a part of that. Like, all of the things that we've done in our brief six years as a church, you guys are a part of. And none of those things would have happened if we didn't do them together, right? Like, we, look at, I mean, we look at church plans to, um, I mean, Big City, Big Question. How many of you guys know what Big City, Big Question is? Yeah. Like four of you, right? <laughs> Go to YouTube, type in Big City, Big Question, and you'll see what it is. We did the spiritual assessment video of our city. What year was that, 2013? Yeah. Um, and we did three of them and, and go, out, go to YouTube and, and check it out. Guess it, I don't know if it like blew up, but it was like, like 56,000 views. So it's, like, it became this thing in our city that people, people learned Toronto through this video. And we learned Toronto through this video. And we learned this, the, I, it was just such a big step of faith for us to do something like that. Like, we didn't even know what we were doing really. Uh, and it was just an, an amazing thing. Like, we have the camping retreat up there. We have, guys, uh, celebration is is such a big part of, of what we want in our church. Um, I got just looking through those those pictures just now. Like I remember each each of those instances like it was yesterday. Um, and I like looking across the faces in this room. For for a lot of you guys, I remember the first time I met you. I, like I on the way to into um, to Lord Dufferin this morning. Uh, I said to the girls, do you guys realize, it's six years today, do you guys realize that we knew nobody when we moved here? And the girls like, huh? I was like, we had zero relationships in Toronto when we moved here, and we're going to celebrate with all these people today who just believe in Jesus and want to see his mission push forward. How amazing is that? And their eyes were like, whoa. And, and Emerson said, well, who was the first person we met ever in Toronto? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We met, we met so many people. Um, but I do remember the first person that stuck around. We did this, we did this um, uh, vision night. We did this vision night in, in early March. We'd been here for a few months. We did this vision night where we, we'd been meeting people like crazy. We invited all these people to it. Uh, the vision night had like... 50 people, guys, like, it was am- like, to go from zero to 50 in just three months was amazing, I couldn't believe we had 50 people show up to hear about a, a, uh, a church plan. We we're already living in, on mission in Regent Park, we were like, we're already doing our stuff in Regent, networking with organizations, we we're living out the new common, that was the first thing we did, we we're doing that, um, and we had 50 people show up, and we were just like, oh my gosh, 50 people, like, this is amazing, like, what, where do they come from, like, I, we couldn't believe it. And it was so exciting. We're all pumped up. We're done. So the next week, we, we hold, like, we start a, um, a, a small group thing. Next week, we invite everyone back. One person showed up. <laughs> one. One person. We are so excited. We're like, oh, let's was beautiful. And then one person shows up. We're like, oh. Uh, but guess what we did? We celebrated that one person. And she became an essential part of our, our church. Um, that one person turned into more. Um, she's, uh, she's actually a minister now in Nova Scotia. She, she works at a church in, in Nova Scotia. And, um, yeah, just one person, right? Um, we had no idea... That a, a step of faith into a city we didn't know, into people we didn't know, would turn out so incredibly amazing. Um, I Guys, I, I know, like, there's so many things in our church, like, there's so many things we want to see happen in our church, right? There's, there's so many things that, are, uh, that we know the Lord wants for us. And, and we can get so caught up in the frustrations of it. And, and this is the people of Israel, right? They're going through the wilderness, and, and they, like, they, they know the promised land is out there. They know there's something God wants for them, and, and they're frustrated because they're not there yet. And I get that. But remember, like, this church started from nothing. started from nothing. All we had were fishes and loaves, right? And we said, God, you do whatever you want. And he multiplied it. Like Linnea was sharing this morning as she was leading us in prayer, and uh, Linnea, five years ago, today, entered into her first worship gathering at a church ever. Ever. I don't know why she walked into the Torah. I don't even, it's like you saw flyers. I don't know what happened. Um, she walked in, and her life was changed forever. She's leading prayer now. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Five years later, right? Goes from not knowing anything about Jesus to leading other people to Jesus. Ah, oh, like stories like that. That's what that video represents, right? Stories like that. Um, like I, I can go on and on about stories, guys. Like. I see Curtis standing there in the doorway. Kelly's over here. I remember the first time we sat in that that restaurant that we realized was too expensive for us to be in. And we were too undressed to be in, because we knew nothing about the city of Toronto. And we left before we, even though they already brought us drinks, we left. (laughs) (laughs) I said, sorry. Everyone was already staring at us, because they knew we didn't belong. And we we left, right? So many crazy stories like that. that I can go on and on about and would take forever, so I'm going to keep on moving. But like, that's, what, that's what I want to sell, us to celebrate. Like, and I want you to remember that. Remember when it gets hard? Remember when it gets frustrating? I want you to remember the good things. I want you to remember the, the joy uh, amongst the hardship. You know, I want you to see the joy. And, and that's what this passage is about. So let's, let's jump into this. We're going to quickly walk through it. This is Ephesians 5. This is one of my favorite scripture passages in the entire Bible. Um, I love Ephesians 5. It is, yeah, it's, it's just so good. Uh, so we're going to start halfway through the first big paragraph in verse 7 because he says, therefore, so he says, therefore, do not become partners with them. Who's them? Those who are in the darkness. He says, for at one time, You were darkness. So he doesn't say you were in the darkness. He doesn't say you were consumed by the darkness. He says you, all of us, you were darkness. That's a big, powerful statement. You were a part of adding to the darkness at one time. You were it. You weren't just in it. You were it. Our sinful nature had made us it. The prince of darkness was our God. That's that's what he says in Ephesians 2. You worshipped him, and you were dead, he says. You were dead. No life in your sins. Prince of darkness reigning over you, and you were part of that darkness. But... Now, you are light in the Lord. Gosh, guys, as much of the darkness, like, as as much as I said about the darkness, the light is not you were in, it's not like we're not in light. It's not just we are consumed by it. You are light. You are it. So, as much as you added to the darkness before, you subtracted from the darkness and added to the light in Christ Jesus. That's so powerful. That means wherever you are, work, school, home, here, grocery store, uh, barber shop, nail salon, I don't know, wherever you're going, like wherever you are, you bring light. You change the atmosphere of the room. If you could see we spiritual eyes, you would see that. When we walk in this place, it was darkness, now it's light. When you walk into your classroom at school, it may have been mostly darkness, but you bring the light in. And guess what happens to the darkness when the light comes in there? It flees. The darkness has not overcome the light. It will never overcome the light. The light always overcomes the darkness. And he says here, Don't be partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you're a light in the Lord. So, ah, one more thing on this. So, (laughs) I can go on this verse forever and ever because we don't realize what we are in Christ Jesus, guys. Like, I want to empower you this morning to realize that you are light and how powerful that is. Like for you as a follower of Jesus, for you to, to think celebration and make that a spiritual discipline, if you just realize at all times the presence of the Lord is with you and you are light because you are in Christ Jesus and he is the light of the world, and because of that, we are the light of the world, man, it would change your life. It would change your perspective. And for us as followers of Jesus, that's the light we bring everywhere. And we need people to see that. right? And And for some of you guys, you're... Actually, let me, yeah, let's read this First John 1 passage because this talks about this. He says in verse 5 through 7, he says, this is the message we've heard from him, talking about the Lord, Jesus, and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Some of you guys, and I hear Christians say this, ah, oh, I'm just in a dark season. Oh, there's, there's a darkness here. Corner of this passage if you're in the darkness you're not in Christ because if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and we do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another that's unity in the church you know why there's no why, why unity isn't in the church? You know why people complain and have discord and angst and anger and strife and broken relationships? Because they're not in the light. They're in the darkness. Which means they're not following Jesus. Which means they're lying and not practicing the truth. Those are huge statements by John here. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Ah. Oh. So when... Adam and I talk about this all the time. You hear about people who say, "Oh, well, I'm just struggling in my faith." I'm like, "You're like, what does that mean?" I, you're either in the light or in the darkness. Like, you either are light or you are darkness, right? What does it mean for you to struggle in your faith? Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly. Sure. I, I, I get you, like, you have questions and, and you have doubts, but but and, and I get that. But what does it mean to to either basically? I mean, Jesus is a pretty like black and white here, he's like, hey, you either follow me or you don't. Like, there's no, like, testing me out. Like, you can come and, and follow me or you can walk the other way. Like, and that's, that's, that's the gospel, guys. It's, it's pretty, like, there, there's kind of a line drawn in the sand, right? You're either on this side of it or you're on this side. You're in the darkness or you're in the light. Like, that, that's it. So, so Jesus is like, make your, make your choice here. And I hear people say, uh, to like, oh well, and you might be saying this right now, oh, well, well the darkness is just, uh, I, I just feel some of the darkness or my light. Maybe my light's just not as bright. Maybe it's just a little dim. Guys, in, in the spirit, like, we've all, if you're in Christ Jesus, we have all received the spirit of the Lord, the same spirit. I don't have more of the spirit than you have. We all have the same exact spirit. It's not like you got a 40-watt bulb of light and you got a 100-watt bulb of light. We all got the sun, Come on, bro. right? We all have the sun, the eternal one, the one who's the brightest light in the entire universe. We have him, the spirit of Christ, the mind of Christ. We all have the same light. It's a, and you're not the source of the light. You get that? He's the source of the light. Like, so your, your light isn't dim because of him. So your light may be dim because you're hiding it under, under something. But that light is still bright under that, underneath that, that basket, as, as he talks about in, in the Gospels. So, oh, I could talk about this forever. So he says here, walk as children of light. Because now you're in the light. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light, this is verse 9, is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I love this. Verse 10 and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Guys, at least try. (laughs) Right? Like, at least try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I I just, just at least make an attempt at it. This, oh man, he's just finished talking about, not talking about things that they mention. Uh, he, He says in verse three, but sexual morality and all impurity or covetousness. So sexual morality, all impurity, covetousness must not even be named among you. That's what is proper among the saints. And he goes and he talks about all this this other stuff, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, all those are out of place. He talks about the sexually immoral, the impure, uh, the idolater. Uh, He talks about um, lying, things like this. And he says guys, at least try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. And so if you, if you want to celebrate more in your life, if you want to experience more of the joy of the Spirit in your life, you want to experience the abundant life, then you got to at least try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. So here's we've been talking about the practice of presence and spiritual disciplines. Do you practice... The presence of the Lord more, or do you practice the presence of the world more? Uh, and uh, and and here's the thing: maybe you may not even realize it, because some of us, uh, here's the thing about. So here's the thing about the darkness: some of us don't. Uh, we didn't even realize we were in the darkness, right? We didn't even realize we were darkness. You had to have someone tell you you're in the darkness. For those of you, for those of the philosophers in here, think Plato's Cave, Shadows on the Wall. For those of you guys who are uh, moviegoers here, think The Matrix, right? That's the modern-day Plato's Cave. Like, it's it's The Matrix. Like, someone had to tell Neo that he was in The Matrix and and then to to bring him out of it. And, oh, what's, what's amazing about this, there's one line that's kind of a passing line in that movie where Morpheus says to Neo... Basically, normally, we don't wake people up. We don't awaken people's minds this late in life. And it's just this passing line. It's my favorite line in the whole series. It's this passing line of, of, hey, you're too entrenched in the darkness. You're too entrenched in your own ways. And normally, we don't awaken people this late in life. Because you don't have a childlike faith anymore. right? It's, it's Jesus saying, saying yeah, if you want to experience the kingdom, you'll come as a child. You come with a childlike faith. You can't come with all your presuppositions built up over, over the last 30, 40 years, right? It makes it so much harder. And, he, and Morpheus says that to Neo, and I, I just love that line because, because um, you have to have someone tell you you're in the darkness to bring you into the light. And the older you get, the harder it is to hear someone telling you that. Because the more life you've lived in the darkness, the more your eyes are adjusted to it, the blinder you are. Think animals in caves, right? The, the, the blinder we are to the darkness, like they they just a lot of those animals who grow up in caves, like they're they're blind. They don't even see anymore. They don't even have the light receptors to see the light, right? So that's that's the imagery we have here, and and uh, and so on. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, who've been brought into the light, I guess it's our job to bring people out of the darkness, uh, in into the light, right? And and. Uh, he says here, at least try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. We have those discernment powers. And, and I'll talk to people, and this is just one random example, but I'll talk to, uh, this happened a couple weeks ago. I was talking to someone, and he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, I, I, um, I, I just spent my time watching uh, John Wick and Deadpool. And I was like, Ugh. So I just want to say to him, At least try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. At least try. Like, there was no shame. Like, he didn't even think that it was a problem. And you're sitting there right now, because I can see your faces, and you're like, oh, that's a problem? Uh, (laughs) Maybe I should should try harder to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Guys, you're talking about gratuitous violence you choose to put in you besides the word of life, right? Right? You choose, the, you choose the remote over this book that, bring, that brings you life. You choose something that brings you death. And then you wonder why I'm not experiencing the joy and the abundant life of, of the Spirit of God. That's because you keep on choosing death. All right? And I don't know what else, I don't know how else to, to, to help you get there unless I tell you, hey, at least try. Like, you're in the darkness. You're putting yourself back in the darkness. But you are light, and light doesn't act like that. Light begets light. All right, so... He says here, at least try. So please try. (laughs) Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's what I just did. We're supposed to expose them, right? So if you felt like exposed just then, like that's the spirit saying, oh, like yeah, you should do this instead of this. Like take that as conviction, not condemnation, Like, if that's your, if those are your favorite movie series, like, if Game of Thrones is your thing, like, hear the conviction of the Spirit this morning, it should not be. Like, this should be, this Bible right here should be, should should be your thing where you're spending your time. Uh, Not in the unfruitful works of darkness. For, verse 12, it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says this, and and this is what I loved when Missy read this earlier and and the the emphasis she put on this and the energy. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper. Think the matrix here, right? Like, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What a beautiful promise. As followers of Jesus, you want Christ to shine on you. I know you do. So stop taking part in the unfruitful works of darkness, and awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And here's, and so what does it look like? Okay, what does it look like for light to manifest itself in your life, to be risen from the dead, and to be that light in the world? Four things out of of verses 15 through 21 here. Number one, efficiency and responsibility. Okay, this is going to help you celebrate more in your life. Efficiency and responsibility. Verse 15 says, Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. <laughs> Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Guys, the days are evil. There's evil all around us. Don't be a part of it. Make the best use of your time. We're only on this planet for, for not, not very long. I'm probably less years than you. <laughs> Um, no, we're not. We're not on this planet for very long. And he says, "Make the best use of your time." Talk to people all the time. We say, "I'm busy." I'm like, "Oh yeah, what, what, like, what are you, what are you doing?" Um, and uh, come to find out, like, they're they're just wasting their time with other things, like binge watching Netflix, um, video. video games. Yeah. Oh man, that's like the bane of a young man's existence, <laughs> video games, um, sports. I love sports, guys. But I'm not going to waste my time and energy on that when there's more eternal things. Um, and, and just so just evaluate your life. What are you wasting your time on? When you say you're busy, are you really? Like, what, what can you do better with your time that is going to do something for the kingdom? Efficiency and responsibility. Walk as wise, not, as un, not just as unwise. Okay, second thing. Seeking and understanding this is out of verse 17. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How do you understand what the will of the Lord is? You practice the presence of the Lord. You want to understand what the, what the will of the Lord is for your life? You have to do the spiritual disciplines. It's not just going to happen. You're not just gonna wake up one day and know what God wants you to do if you're not seeking his understanding. So those go hand in hand. Uh, Number three, filling and singing. Okay, (laughs) this is verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus in here this morning, you have been filled with the Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 1, he has made his dwelling place in you, meaning that, uh, and then he says, he has been deposited in you as, an inherit- as a guarantee for your inheritance in Christ Jesus. So that is already in the book in Ephesians 1. And so here when he says be filled with the Spirit, this is a continual filling presence with the Spirit. Why? Because the days are evil. Darkness surrounds us. We get distracted. Our circumstances, our sin, all those things. He says so constantly be filled with the Spirit. A regular prayer of mine uh, when I get up in the morning is I'll say speak, Lord, for your servant hears, and fill me with your spirit. I start my days like that. And it's just, it's just a posture of me putting myself before the Lord and saying, I need you today for the rest of my day. I need you. Every, every day, it's this constant filling of the spirit because we constantly fill our minds and, and everything with, with other things that, that aren't beneficial. So filling uh, uh, and singing. Verse 19, he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Basically... Like, when's the last time you sang to somebody, right? Basically, this is like a Disney movie. Your life should be like a Disney movie. <laughs> you should be singing everything and making melody in your heart, right? Uh, oh, well, what a beautiful picture. If the church was actually doing this, I guess it's hard enough sometimes for us to sing corporately, right? And I get it. Like, corporate singing can be kind of weird. It's, it's not, it's not um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's not natural for us, but when the Spirit in it is in us producing joy, the natural outflow is we address one another in psalms. We address one another in hymns. We address one another in spiritual psalms. We sing. We make melody to the Lord with our hearts. My, whenever my girls are, are humming something, I love it. Because so whenever they're humming something, it's all And we don't listen to like a lot of like praise music. And, and, and worship music. Uh, we don't, I don't know, I don't listen to a lot of music. <laughs> uh, I mean, so, but, but they're around, and whenever they hum and sing, and it's not the latest top 40 pop song, it's, it's some song that reflects the beauty and the grandeur of Christ, and every time I hear them humming that, I just, like, weep. It's so beautiful to have my, and they've been doing it for years, my, when they were four and five, they were doing it. And to have them humming like, a mighty fortress is our God. Like, how many of you guys even know that song, right? It's one of the greatest hymns of, of Christianity. A mighty fortress is our God. Like, to hear them humming that, I don't even know all the words, but she does. You know, they do. Like, ah, oh, it it's just so beautiful. And we should communicate to one another like that. The biggest, the biggest book in the scriptures is Psalms, Right? So learn those. Communicate to each other in those. Encourage each other with those. You don't have to sing them, okay? Sometimes you'll ruin it if you sing it. (laughs) (laughs) Just speak it. Just speak the song. Um, (laughs) Just speak it to one another. Dress each other with it. And then the last thing, number four, is gratitude and servanthood. When we live a life of celebration and joy, it leads to this. Giving thanks always, in verse 20, and for everything, for all things, to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Servanthood. Joy. You're always giving thanks. You're celebrating. It was Reagan's birthday Monday, and we don't celebrate birthdays very like big in our, in our family, not because we're like... Anti birthdays or anything? No, there's no theological reason. It's just, I don't know. We don't really make a big deal out of them. Um, but Reagan turned eight on Monday, and we didn't. We just had. We just said, "Hey, what do you want to eat for your kind of birthday dinner?" And we made her what she wanted. And it's probably like the unhealthiest meal we've ever had. but <laughs> It's like bratwurst and mac and cheese and brownies. So yeah, yeah, it was unhealthy, but it was good. Um, And uh, so we're, we're, um, before we sit down, and before we sit down to eat, that's how we celebrate it. We just, it was, it was us, and then uh, this is the first birthday that my sister and Jonathan and their family was with us here in Toronto, and so we're sitting around the table, we're holding hands, and, and, uh, and I asked us all to say, uh, as we prayed, to, to thank Jesus for something about Reagan. For something that we loved her loved in her that God had put in her that we wanted to encourage her in, so um, and it was just so beautiful, right? It was just a little tiny moment of celebration, uh, and and also discipleship, and also uh, evangelism, and also uh, praise, and also meditating, and also just sharing faith. All, All those things just happened in that in in that moment, and it was it was so beautiful. And guys, that was random. Like I, I just thought about that right when we sat down. Uh, and it's just taking those little moments like that to celebrate the people around you, the, the things that God's given you, the, the goodness he's, he's put in your life, and, and, and just being a little intentional about making that a part of your daily practice. Uh, this week, also, Chick-fil-A opened and... My boy over here, Kevin, got up so early to to get in line for Chick-fil-A. And Cassandra was there. Abdullah, where's Abdullah, was there. Abdullah was on the news. There he is, yeah, he's (laughs) CP24, our local celebrity over here. (laughs) Uh, And and then they just brought Chick-fil-A to our house at lunch on Friday. And it was just a, a moment of celebration. We just celebrated something simple. And, and friendship, and Chick-fil-A, <laughs> and, and Jamie was there, and she got to try her first Chick-fil-A for the first time, and like, it was just, just a simple time of celebration, right? Just, just little things like that. We get so busy that we forget about that, but guys, joy and blessing in the scriptures are so intricately intertwined. If you want to experience the blessing of the Lord, you have to experience the joy of the Lord. If you want to experience the joy of the Lord, then you're going to get the blessing of the Lord. And so what we're talking about this morning is the spiritual discipline of celebration that surrounds all the other ones. They bring us really good things, joy and blessing and goodness. In Deuteronomy 16, there's, there's feasts. There's all these feasts that the, that the Israelites established to reflect on God's goodness and to experience his joy on a yearly basis rhythmical basis. In Deuteronomy 16, they established these practices. And so established practices. In 1 Kings 1, you have Solomon getting inducted as the king, and he's the representative of God's goodness and God's leadership and God's, God's grace for the nation. And so they're celebrating, it says, with joy so much so, catch this, so much so, that the, that the noise they generate splits the earth. Like, they're just so excited. They're just so happy about God's goodness. They're so overjoyed. And then <clears throat> in 1 Chronicles 16, it says, even the trees will sing for joy. We sang, we sang something like that earlier, right? First Chronicles 16, even the trees are going to sing for the joy of the Lord. In Ezra 6, the, the temple is, is rebuilt, it's crafted. This is God's dwelling place. It represents his presence among the people, uh, and, and it's just celebrated with so much joy because they're like, yes, God dwells with us. In Nehemiah 8, this is the, the kind of popular passage that, that we hear quoted a lot, completely out of its context, but uh, we hear it quoted a lot. It's, it's the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? Uh, this is Nehemiah eight ten. Well, the first uh, nine verses before verse 10, do you know what they're doing? They're standing up. All day, well, about half the day, for hours and hours, they're standing there. And Ezra is just reading the scriptures to them. He's just reading the law. He's reading God's instruction. He's reading the first five books. He's reading the Pentateuch. He's, he's just reading that. And, and they celebrate with joy. It just produces a tremendous amount of joy in them after they've been standing there for... and, and for for hours and the joy of the Lord is their strength. In Esther 8 there's this peculiar phrasing in Esther where it says the Jews had light which I don't know what that means. They, they had light, joy, gladness and peace. Like they had these things. It was theirs. They possessed those things. Like you have joy, he's given it to you. Live in it. That's that's Esther 8. And then you have then you have the Psalms. You have this whole book of psalms, and I, I can't go through all the references. There's, there's around 50 references just to joy in the psalms. And that's not even including words like rejoice. Just to the word joy in the psalms, there's, there's around 50 references. Think about that. There's 150 psalms. That's one in three psalms, right? A third of the book. Uh, now, there's some worth multiple instances, instances in them and all, but on average, right? Like, it's just, it's just amazing. Like, this whole book of psalms. Then in Proverbs 10... He says, the hope of the righteous is joy. Oh, guys. If you are the follower of Jesus, your hope is joy. Your hope is not in anything else but the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, Nehemiah has just said, right? That's Proverbs 10. Ecclesiastes 2, we have to think of that book as as this kind of like, ugh, like, uh, he's like struggling with, his, with the entire world. This guy says, who can experience joy unless it's from God? Because he's the giver, and he gives it to those who seek to please him. At least try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord, right? This is what Paul's reading in Ephesians when he writes this. He's, he's probably reading Ecclesiastes 2. He's like, yeah, those who please him experience the joy of the Lord. Hey, guys, at least try to try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord so you can experience this joy. And then you have Isaiah 51. In the book of Isaiah, all through the book of Isaiah, the big themes are light, and guess what else? Joy. Light and joy. In Isaiah 51, you have the people of God ascending the mountain of God, Mount Zion. This is the church. This is the bride of Christ ascending the mount of the Lord. This is prophecy for them ascending the mount. And and it says, they will be defined by everlasting joy. Joy. That's what they'll be defined by, everlasting joy, and Isaiah 51. And then Jeremiah 15, I love this. I, I love this. In Jeremiah 15, Jeremiah says, the word of the Lord has become a joy and the delight of my heart because they become my food. He says, I eat them. My food has become the word of the Lord. That's what I'm consuming. That's what I'm putting in my mind. That's what I'm putting in my body. The joy of the Lord through the word of the Lord. How beautiful that. That became the delight of his heart. Think Matthew chapter four. When Jesus goes in the wilderness and is tempted by Satan. What does he say to him? He says, "He says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God right, and it's like Jesus is reading Jeremiah there, like he knows Jeremiah, he knows the scriptures, right, he told Jeremiah to write that, to say that, right, and, and you have here this, this like beautiful picture of Jeremiah eating, eating the word of the Lord, and, 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 uh, and, you know, the psalmist says that the word of the Lord is sweeter than honey, even honey from the honeycomb, right, it's, it's just like, I'm going to live and sustain my life on the words of the Lord in Jeremiah 15, And then Habakkuk 3, you have this prophet, and everything's desolate, everything's falling away. It's such a desolate picture. Everything is going wrong. And he says, but I will rejoice in the God of my salvation, and the joy of the Lord is his strength. Even though his circumstances are all wrong, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord because he is the God of my salvation. Guys, and that's just the Hebrew scriptures. That's just the Old Testament, Right? Like, some of us think the Old Testament is all about, like, uh, uh, wrath, and, and it's dark, and it's, it's heavy. I just trace joy from the beginning to the end of the Old Testament, and I, and I left out probably 200 references, right? I just hit, hit some of the big ones, all right? That's joy in the Old Testament, and then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus says in Matthew 13, he says, he says, those who discover the kingdom of heaven they'll be so overjoyed that they'll give up everything for it. They'll give up everything for it in their joy because they know what the kingdom of heaven represents and what treasure it is. Would you give up everything for the kingdom of heaven? He says those who discover it would. Those who truly know it, they'll give up everything for it. And then John 15, this is the farewell discourse. He leaves, He's leaving the disciples. These are some of his last words to them. And, and he says... Uh, these words, these things that I'm saying to you will be joy in you so that your joy may be full, that it may be complete, that it may not be lacking. And in John 16, he says, you're gonna be sorrowful, you're gonna be mournful, but your mourning will turn into joy. And we see the fulfillment of that in, in Luke 24, right after Jesus ascends to heaven. You know, Jesus, is, they're, they're sad he's leaving, but he ascends into heaven, and it says, the disciples go out with great joy continually, together, blessing God in the temple. That joy breeds this unity in the church that is unlike anything we've seen, I think, since that time. Like, it just breeds this union where they're continually, continually, all the time, together, in the temple of the Lord, blessing God. Wow. And you see the fulfillment of this in Acts 13 with the disciples in the early church and what defines them as joy. It says... In Acts 13, in the last verse, it says, they will be filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mention that we be filled with peace or goodness or love or... It says joy and the Holy Spirit. Guys, joy is a natural part of us living out in this world of darkness as light representing Jesus Christ. And then you get to... Paul's writings, Romans 14, where he says the kingdom of heaven is not about eating and drinking, it's about righteousness and peace and joy. And you have him saying, like, we are, we're even, even in our eating and drinking, he says in 1 Corinthians, we do it to the glory of the Lord. We're doing it in in joy, right? And then Galatians 5, which I mentioned earlier, talks about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the production of the Spirit in your life is joy. And then you have Philippians, which is a whole book on joy, uh, you have this book of Philippians that's all about joy and Paul says you will complete my joy by doing what? It's Philippians chapter 2 he says you'll complete my joy by being of the same mind through your unity in the church that's when we'll experience the most joy if we're unified as a church so then you have Philippians then you have James and you have 1 Peter and they actually start to associate joy with suffering and suffering with blessing. And the writer of Hebrews picks up on this in chapter 12 and he says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. It wasn't for the peace, the goodness. It wasn't for the crown. It wasn't for the exaltation. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. If you want celebration and suffering, I mean, if you want celebration and joy in your life, It may require suffering. Jesus says, take up your cross daily. Bear your cross. And we can only do that for the joy that's set before us because Jesus showed us that example. But as Paul says in Ephesians here, some of us are asleep, some of us are dead. And so my exhortation to you today is to awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Walk as children of light. Celebrate the good things that God has given you so that you can multiply the light in your spheres of influence. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true, that it is holy, that it is unadulterated. Thank you that it is is life. No, every time I, I, I read this, it's just life and joy and, and peace, and it's all your things. We have every spiritual blessing accessible to us in you, Christ Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, make us a people who celebrate. Who celebrate you, you and what you've done and what you've given us. Who celebrate your goodness. Who live as people of joy so that our world can see that there's something different about us. So that a world can see that they want that. And so, Jesus, do your work in here this morning. Spirit, penetrate our hearts. Help us now to just try to discern what is pleasing to you. We love you, Jesus, and pray this in your name.